0: And when we say happiness, we don't mean a subjective state of feeling emotionally up or positive. What we mean is the union with the reason why I'm here. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knee Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. I'm Mike Gomer-Gormley, and this week, as I am almost every week, joined by our illustrious co-host, Dave the Dandy Van Vickle. (laughs) How are we, Dave? Dave the Dandy, what the heck is that? Do you know what a dandy is? Yeah, uh, yeah, isn't it like a a wussy? No. No, no, a dandy is, in modern language, a metrosexual male. Right, a someone who Gomer, loves that's <laughs> no, no. How dare you? Someone who likes a little frill on their collars. <laughs> so that's what the Yankee Doodle Dandy is. It was a, a song <laughs> you know, making is... fun of uh, Yankees. That's that, a Yankee Doodle Dandy. That is. That is. <laughs> they funny. like to wear big hats with feathers in them. Yeah, yeah. That's so. When I think of that, I think Dave Ambit- Yeah, right. That's so funny. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> the, the, Did you last... know what? Did, No, did you know that one of the greatest Christian revivalists in uh, was it the UK or America? I can't remember. Was a dandy himself. He loved frilly things and all this stuff, (laughs) and he sacrificed his entire life to spread the gospel. Interesting, right? And yeah, and he was. uh, I gotta get his name. He was so. Ah, that other podcast that I love, this cultural moment, they, they had a whole episode <laughs> on this guy who was a dandy, but helped to revitalize like New England that is, Christianity. That is so weird. <laughs> that, so what are you up to now? What are you up to now? Uh,
1: you know what? Um, my my year's calming down. Uh, I I have uh, one more, I have a few more events. I have an event next week in, in Little Rock, Arkansas, and... uh um, and then I have uh, a, an event at Franciscan University in December, and I'm, but then I'm done. I'm done for the year and uh, kind of focusing on working on parish stuff, like trying to get my programs the way I want them to be and everything. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a big job. I'm going to try and um, cut back in the spring to try and really dig into working with our youth minister and our, um, and our DRE and, and everybody who reports to me Um, to try and really get it to the point where, you know, um we're we're making disciples, you know, with through all our programs. But hey, if if anybody is listening and they're near Conway, Arkansas, next week, November 14th, I think that's a Thurs no yeah, that's a Thursday night. Uh at seven PM I'll be giving the Catholic truth about angels, demons, ghosts, exorcisms and hauntings at St. Joseph Catholic Church in Conway, Arkansas uh i'm excited to be there and then the next day i'm doing a presentation for a high school which you know is
0: not usually my thing
1: but i still have i still do some high school stuff so
0: mm, yeah okay yeah. okay um just to let you know the city of conway was founded by Asa p robinson why did you why did the area why, shortly after the civil war why are you saying that <laughs> i clicked uh i just typed in conway in google and first, it gave me all this stuff about Kellyanne Conway. And oh, that's funny. Was, I have to tell you,
1: welcome to Conway, Arkansas. I have to, I have to ruin your day, right now. Uh-oh. Yeah. Oh. So Uh-oh. the diocesan, the diocese shall remain nameless. But I was in a a diocesan meeting yesterday for a certain diocese. Okay. And <laughs> no, you don't know what it is. All right, and uh, I have no idea. And I. Like I I really had to pray against despair when I left it was that bad like yeah um yeah the diocese uh, is struggling with all the things that every other diocese is struggling with uh, lack of vocations um no money closing churches complaints mm-hmm. you know all that kind of stuff consolidating churches and honestly I I, I just looked in this meeting at one point and it was like it was like if as if the captain of the Titanic, like as they're going down was like, hold on, guys, before we go down, like we need to rename the ship, and so let's go over the process how we're going to vote on renaming the ship. Like that's, <laughs> that's, that really was what what the meeting oh. was like. And and I know I'm you know I'm I'm being critical. I'm I'm a critical person. I try not to be, but yeah. I'm a critical person. But um, and and I'm most critical to myself, just so everyone knows. But I am very yeah. critical about church workers and um and priests because. Um the job should be extremely simple, right? And we have made it into a bureaucracy that no one can can handle. No one can possibly yeah. handle this bureaucracy that we've made and and then it's like Stockholm Syndrome. we started to fall in love with the bureaucracy. And so what I mm-hmm. realized is I as I was looking around this meeting, it was like people, I, I was the only one who was upset, it seemed like. like people loved being at this meeting. They loved it. And like an official would like tell a joke and like about so, like an, an angry parishioner or something, and everyone would laugh at it, and it was so, so horrific. Like it just, uh, I don't know. It I, like I went home thinking like we we are lost, you know. Like like this is this is done for, you know. And it's like only, only saints could fix this, you know. Only saints could fix this. Only
0: it. saints could fix yeah. this. That's the you know, Pope Benedict for World Day when he was in um, Cologne, Germany. That was his things. Uh, God's, God's revolutionaries. Right. right? Only, only saints are the true revolutionaries. And when you look around, you know what's funny? It's like, I don't think we love the bureaucracy. I don't think we know what it means to be a church without it, though. I agree. I agree. And even people who despise the institutional church, 100% think with it in that mindset like you know committees and all that stuff like one of the interesting things that I was thinking about is like the USCCB like they got a lot of good stuff on the USCCB but the like the website is one of the most atrocious things for an organization that has millions of dollars yeah (laughs) and you start to think about all the things that they do if the USCCB went away tomorrow right completely agreed there would be minimal impact if zero impact on the average Catholic's life. Wait, pause. If the USCCB goes away
1: tomorrow, all our listeners are invited to Pittsburgh for a party at my house.
0: (laughs) Dave, the critical one, Van Vickle. Because, I mean, it, it is funny, but it's like, no, 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 we have to do these things. We have to do this and we have to do that. And then it happens at the diocesan level. Then it happens at the parish level. There's always stuff. There's building committees yeah. and contracts yeah. that you need an element of the bureaucracy to be there. Absolutely. But when the faith itself becomes super bureaucratic, um, we're looking for managers. And Pope Benedict said this brilliant line. He said, you can't manage your way out of a crisis. Right. You can't manage your way out of a crisis in terms of the the church. Um, Management solutions are good for management problems, but crises of faith, you can't just have a good program. You have to have souls. And this is the repeated comment that we keep making. You have to have a white-hot faith. Right you have to have an ardent prayer right. life you're trying to raise the dead so when you go to these meetings <laughs> you're trying to raise the dead and you realize these are the, the dead are the people running yeah. everything yeah it's you know and it, not just the clergy i'm not just picking on the clergy i'm talking about the lay people too oh, yeah. i'm talking about the careerists yeah. Oh, yeah. i'm talking about the people who build bureaucracy right. around their departments to safeguard their jobs yeah. right yeah th-
1: and you know um I, you're right you i think i think i was wrong and you were right in the sense that it, you're, you're right that they don't love the bureaucracy but it's been around long enough that that is the bureaucracy has been what's served so like people like that's what they think of when they join church work is that kind of thing you yeah. know and it it yeah. it was so it was just really painful and and i i do feel bad about how critical i am because i think most of the people in the meeting would agree with what we're saying but at the yeah. same time it's like Like I was literally debating, like, should I stand up and scream like like why don't we just say let them eat cake? I mean, that's that's where we were. It was that absurd. The things that were being said when when the sky is falling down around us, you know, and so it's just it's, you know, I, I guess it just once again, like in like impacted me in the sense that. It's people who listen to this podcast that are going to change this. It's individual priests who have made a commitment to holiness and preaching and that that's what's going to that's what's going to save this era of the church. And the other thing is I think like and I bet I'm going to lose a lot of fans here. If I have any, I bet I'll lose a lot of fans. But it was weird yesterday You know, I'm not a a chauvinist, right? You know that. Like, I'm, I'm, I like, I think I'm the opposite. Like, if it were up to me, I'd be a stay at home dad. My wife would be out working because she'd make so much more money than me. Okay. So, and I think I'd be amazing at being a stay at home dad. Okay. Like, I'd have like everything ready and like cupcakes cooking and stuff like that. So, anyways, but (laughs) you would be the Etsy. Yeah. Right. Right. But, but it was weird at this meeting because there were like 30 or 40 priests in the room and one bishop in the room. And like the opening prayer was like started by a woman, like it was a woman who like led it. And it was just like kind of strange to me that the bishop wasn't leading it because I don't know why. Like, I don't know why it was odd, but it just was strange because the tone of the meeting was very much like, okay, then, then like these, these diocesan figures who are not priests were running. Everything at the diocese. And it, it was I don't know, it was strange. So
0: well, I mean, okay, so let's it's not just that it was a woman, it was that it was it was a layperson. Yeah. In the presence right. of the clerical leadership. Right. And Sherry Waddell points this out in, in many places that priests who are pastors of churches and bishops are given a charism of governance. Right. So that's and what's weird. Yeah. So right. Yeah. So many of them are um in the words of one of my friends the crisis of the church today of the institutional church the crisis is a crisis of leadership yeah. it's people who don't know how to and i don't mean manage i mean lead and you have these whole things where like you're and i will say this is the post vatican ii confusion over the role of the laity and the clergy right where we keep wanting to do our best to collapse the two. Well, I'm, you're a priest, prophet, and king, and you're baptized, right. you're a baptismal priest, and all this stuff. It's like, that's true, 100%. We need to understand that, which we don't. But then people people define themselves as holiness equals how close I can get to the altar at the church. Yeah, And then priests tend to not want to stifle that. And uh, honestly, Pope Francis had the greatest line from the... What was it the Aparecida document? Oh, yeah. That's that, that that the precursor amazing. to yeah. it really is. It was the precursor to uh Evangelia Gaudium right. and it said um we the lay pe- we have this new clericalism where the lay people are being clericalized right. and they've asked us to clericalize them. Like it's like if I'm not a priest or a pseudo priest, I have no value in the life of the church. And then you have all these priests. The exact response was not, yeah, lay people, you're stepping into holiness. You too are called to be holy. You too are called to be evangelists. It's like, lay people, you're pseudo priests. So what are priests? Right. I don't know anymore. Right. We'll let you do everything. And it's like, no, we want you to leave. Right. You're our spiritual fathers. Right. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if I let my children run the house? Right. Right. Number one, it'd be a lot more fun. Yeah. Number two, everyone would have type two diabetes <laughs> immediately because they'd only be eating candy, right? Oh, look at the church yeah. today! That's a perfect description. Of right, the right. And I, we have a bunch of kids in a candy store running everything. Yeah, day. and I, I guess you're
1: right. Like it wouldn't, it would have <laughs> bothered me just as much had uh, just had I led the prayer or I led the meeting. Yeah. Like I, I wanted some. Le- look, period. The the bottom of the story, the bottom line is, you're looking to priests for leadership here in a diocesan yeah. setting, and when they're in yeah. the room and not providing that leadership, that's a problem to me.
0: It's a problem. Uh, the book um, by Patrick Lencioni, which was called um, A Better Pastor, yeah, I yeah, think that was yeah, the yeah, title. Yeah. He's the guy that does yeah, the I the never read it, but I saw it. Yeah. I read, I, I no, got a whole. of it, and I read. S- he's not what? the
1: guy who does amazing, I mean, he is the guy who does amazing parish, but he's like one of the most famous business gurus of all time. <laughs> Oh, yeah, right. right, 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 right.
0: And I've interviewed him before. Oh, cool. I love oh, him. cool. Okay. Yeah, he came on catching foxes. He's awesome. Okay. Uh And but the whole thing is this: his whole thing is leadership, right? Helping CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. Right. And but he's like, I'm a Catholic. I've always wanted to do this in the Catholic Church. But in his book, A Better Pastor, he says he has this guy. Right? He always writes these fables, um, and he has this guy super nervous to talk to his priest. And I think he's a convert or whatever. And the first thing he says to a priest, and I'm like, "Here we go. We're gonna have, uh, we're gonna have this leadership guy try to turn the church into a business." And the first thing he says is, "Father, we need to see you pray more." (laughs) I love it. And that's the whole. He's like, "Excuse me." He goes, "I don't say you're not praying, but we, as laity, need to see it. You're our spiritual leader. We need to see you pray." Hundred percent. And then, and here's the deal: like when you have priests who are burnt out. The first thing that goes in their is life prayer. is their prayer life. Yep. And so and this is the thing that like with I mean, I think mean, I think I've told this story before. I was doing a retreat night for a pair of staff and I asked everyone to go um take twenty-five minutes and pray over the um sermon on the mount, and a deacon came up to me and he says, I, I know what I'm supposed to do at Mass and I know how to pray the rosary, but I don't know how to pray. Yeah, that's... Deacon. And then he said, and I don't think many people on staff do the way you're talking about. I'm like, just sitting with scripture and praying through it and trying to apply it to your life. And he's like, the next... And so my whole rest of my parish retreat was, this is how you pray. It was it was scary that Sherry Waddell's book, where she talks about interviewing all these Catholic leaders right. and none of them have a, 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 Personal a relationship, relationship with Jesus, God... Yeah. Yeah, and it terrifies me. You're right, you're right. And this is this is the crisis. This is the time of the laity to step up, right. and it's a shame in the absence. We don't even have the charism of church governance, and yet so many lay, te- lay people are doing this. So I'm going to tell this to you, lay people, right? Everyone who is a lay, uh, lay member of Christ Faithful who is not even an employee at the parish. It is not your job to try to run the parish. It is your job to bring souls to Christ y- out in the world. So create opportunities to do that. There are a million points. And actually, today's listener email um, from Haas, which is awesome, I'm, I'm excited oh, to get into. You, you lay people, you have the baptismal duty to evangelize, to bring people to Christ in a million different ways. Your personality is suited for certain other people, and you can bring them to Christ. Right? You don't need to have the perfect USCCB and the perfect parish and the perfect this. We can do our part. So while the Titanic is sinking all around us, we can do our part. In, in fact, my favorite thing is the the book of Nehemiah. The walls of Jerusalem are destroyed. He comes out and basically tells the people, walk out from your house and go to that section of the wall that's closest to the front of your house and rebuild that. Right. And don't worry about anything I else. I love it. When you have people focus on their section and doing what they ought to do, all of a sudden, within a span of a couple weeks, the wall begins to protect them. And then the wall gets finished after several months. And all of this up. The kingdom, the heavenly Jerusalem's walls have been knocked down, okay? But your job is not to rebuild the whole wall. That's when we despair. Your job is to rebuild your section, to be as faithful to Christ as you possibly can and cooperating with the Spirit to bring souls to the kingdom, right? and
1: and maybe just write one letter to Pope Francis saying to disband the USCCB. Just kidding, just kidding. Man, I don't it. want to get taken off the you're air. G- just
0: kidding. A of press is like, it looks like a car outside my office. Like
1: they're like, he did it. Let's get him. <laughs> yeah,
0: <right>. <laughs> <laughs> we're not attacking bishops. We're not attacking no, priests. No. We want them to live, unleash their charisma. Unleashed. That's yeah. what I
1: want. Unleashed yeah
0: yeah (laughs) oh man unleash the clergy and you know what we need to do we need to get a priest on this show who's living it out and doing it and we need to talk to them about how we can help their brother priests and help their bishops i think um father james mallon of divine renovation they had a divine renovation podcast he had uh, a three-part episode i think it was called to the bishops really it was incredible it was incredible yeah and he's like he spoke super honestly all this stuff i thought it was wonderful i think it might have been two years ago now but um it was incredible and i I would encourage people to go and listen i'll try to find that and put that in the show notes but yeah let's not yeah just the rocks oh okay yeah yeah that's what that no other catholic (laughs) uh podcaster or bloggers are doing that just lobbing grenades at the (laughs) at the church no one else does that it's we we would have the whole market cornered if we did that good yeah I love this. Yeah, you're excited. I love
1: this. Gomer's excited. I am He's super nerding excited. out here, guys, <laughs> just so everyone knows.
0: So let me give you a little background for our homeboy, Haas, here. He's a fan of my other podcast, Catching Foxes, but he was saying he became Catholic two years ago. He was an agnostic Methodist, if that's a thing. Um, yeah, I get army, it. Army, all it. this stuff. Yeah, he ends up uh, becoming Catholic. And because someone said uh, he was talking to a priest about all of his gripes against God and all of his questions, and he gave him homework, he said, read Augustine's Confessions and the Summa. Wait, can we just stop there? (laughs) Bold (laughs) move, buddy. Bold move on that priest's part. Either he knew a lot about this
1: guy, or he was making some pretty dangerous claims there, right? Because, I mean, the,
0: the Summa and Augustine
1: could destroy a person if they're not ready yeah. for it. You know? Yeah. Like the confessions are good. It's...
0: The confessions are good. I love the confessions, especially the Frank Sheed version, that Archbishop, uh, or that Bishop, um, that, what's his name? Bishop Barron that he has published. I love it. I love it. Um, but the Summa, I love it. So he's a reader, and he bought him and dug in. I love He bought the Summa. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. He loves it, and he says, wow, it's all so self-evident. So he joined RCIA <laughs> and then entered the church, and he's a machinist. He's working. On his bachelor's in philosophy and theology at Holy Apostles, which is a great organization. Cool. Um, where you can get a distance learning um, degrees. And he said, So, this is his question. The reason why I'm writing this is to ask a question. I don't understand how to talk about the charisma, but I like to talk to, to people about natural ends. I'll bring up in conversation things like, for example, someone will say, I want more, blah, 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 or I feel so incomplete when they're talking about their state in life. And I'll say, Well, what makes you happy? And they'll say something like, oh, my truck or my wife or something material. I, of course, then say, but don't those things fail you in some way? For example, having the coolest truck in the country is awesome for about two weeks. Then you see it breaking down and it causes you grief. I then bring up our desire for happiness and how it must be in something eternal. And I have seen several people say, "Uh, what is that? And Then I say it's God and then I share my story. Is this a way you would recommend or ideas To improve, so Haas is trying to say, I don't know how to wield right the four spiritual laws of the traditional charisma, right? But he gets he evangelizes people by speaking to natural what we would call natural theology or philosophy as well um, to speak to their heart that goes to their the the desires of their heart. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this is sometimes I feel like we rely too much on what is kind of known as the four spiritual laws. God loves you, has a plan for your life. Sin ruined that plan. Christ died for your sins. So have faith in Christ in order to have your sins forgiven to be reconciled. So the it's so easy to just say, well that's the thing. And we kind of frame all of evangelization around that. And that's why I wanted to bring up Haas's email. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, so I I we were kind of talking about this before the show that like I
1: almost feel like we're always like five years late and like there was like a time when we were like getting bad catechesis and then like the people who were saying like, hey, we got to we have to like really you know work on catechesis through Pope John Paul, really. And and, the, and then we were like, oh, that's great. And then all of a sudden it, we re, we like look back and we're like, wait, you can't have all this catechesis without the kerygma, you know, and it was like we're late, you know, with that. And now with the like kind of the kerygma, like coming back, you're almost immediately being like, whoa, like we need to start with philosophy first. Right. Because like we're in a i i guess the issue is we're in a culture that is really uh good at catechizing people in the wrong way right <laughs> like like we we live in a culture that so effectively communicates the opposite of what Christianity needs to live in that you you just can't it's not that easy just to start with the four spiritual laws. You do have to be more forward thinking and I that's why I think people like Haas are going to be so powerful because right like um our our people are all being taught and they're all being formed by their phones and television and by mass media and all this kind of stuff and they're being formed very well. So we have to remember that that in a lot of cases we're going to have to debunk an entire system of knowledge, system of learning, system of living, just to kind of make the crack for the charisma to even sink in.
0: right? Yeah, and traditionally we call that pre-evangelization. This is so important for us to understand because the pre-evangelization, St. Thomas Aquinas calls them the preambles of faith. We are going through and demolishing obstacles and answering objections and questions that people have. That So that the gospel can be proposed. What is the gospel? It's the Paschal Mystery. It's the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. What God accomplished for me. But people, like you were saying, today we have, in a post-Christian culture, we've inherited presuppositions about what the gospel is, what Christianity really is, and presuppositions about what is really true. Right, so we have most young people are materialists, they're scientific materialists, or, or mechanical materialists, right? They believe in a mechanistic universe that's just matter, it's just what's observable, and that's it. And part of our evangelization is all of this philosophical pre-evangelization work, which is why I got my um, undergrad in philosophy as well as theology, because I thought I was gonna be a youth minister I had to have as much philosophy as possible because kids today don't have the assumptions that their parents and grandparents and great-grandparents had. Yet so often when you go to catechesis, CCD, parish school of religion, religious education, they act as if everyone has faith and believes and knows the teachings of the church. But we're operating out of a post-enlightenment materialistic worldview. Why do I need God when the universe is a sufficient explanation for itself? And then you find out that St. Thomas Aquinas has that in the Summa. And studying this stuff, especially natural theology or a philosophical view of God and metaphysics and all that, can actually help pave the way. So, Dave, let me give you a very practical, for instance, that we actually played on an episode of this show. I partnered with our confirmation program, and uh, I I do this all the time. If you're an evangelist and you work at a parish and you think your whole thing is just to do adult faith formation— That's true, but you have to partner with other ministries to model evangelization for them. So what I did was, I I would say at least 50% of my 14-minute talk to those high school students was just exactly what you said. Trying to speak to their presuppositions and their assumptions about, in this case it was about Christianity. So I have to attack the caricature, right? And so I say things like, no one criticizes, you could read Marx all day long, you could read Richard Dawkins all day long, and none of them criticize religious hypocrites more than the Bible, more than the prophets. No one does. Right. The words of Jesus are scathing right, against the Pharisees and the scribes. Devastating. Whitewashed tombs and all that stuff. And when I right. say that, it's, it's directly to hit these assumptions that people are making about christianity oh you're a bunch of x y and z you're all a bunch of hypocrites and so that's where i want to attack and i'll even say things like because i know that young adults reject christianity because of the issues of homosexuality and what surrounds that and so i say i mean i i talk about that all the time because i know it's an obstacle to faith but what they think the church teaches is more of a caricature than actually what the church teaches
1: it, it's always like that. I think that yeah. for, yeah, I, I think, and, and I think knowing when, when to kind of smash those presuppositions and when to kind of lead through holiness is, is important. It can be nuanced, right? Because, uh, you know, I, I recently was listening to a, I don't know, like a six minute video of a speaker, which I don't do very often. Um, I, I very rarely like Read other speakers or listen to other
0: speakers ever? (laughs) Why are you laughing? Because that's all I do. (laughs) That's so funny. I listen. I I listen to literally hundreds of talks, homilies. Okay.
1: Yeah, oh yeah. yeah so I'm on a strict diet of solely the church fathers and doctors of the church right now so um Ooh. uh yeah yeah so uh so just stay with your cereal if you want I'm gonna stay with the steak okay fair I'm enough. just kidding I'm just kidding <laughs> but but recently like he was um he his whole talk was statistics about uh disproving like the the pre-sex abuse crisis like and so he went like well you're a thousand times more likely to get Uh, abused by a public school teacher. You're a hundred times more likely to get abused by, you know, like that was like his talk and I didn't like it right, because Uh I think like in this moment, like whereas you're going right at like homosexuality because using the paradigm of that teaches them natural law, it teaches them uh, absolute truth, it goes against relativism. In this case it doesn't apply all the time because I do expect more from the priesthood, right? So like kind of learning when to use these uh, philosophical arguments and when to just let joy and holiness of life be what smashes the walls is kind of the nuance I think we're all going to have to have to walk. And also I would say this, I think I really do believe that a lot of people don't get into natural theology or philosophy because they find it inaccessible. And I just don't see that as the case anymore. Like mm. in the age of mm. Bishop Barron, in the age of Fulton Sheen, right? Like there are guys who are distilling this information in such a pithy way, in such an accessible way. You can learn all the philosophy that Gomer's talking about that we've talked about on the show in
0: it, it very easily, yeah. even through YouTube. Yeah, especially through YouTube. YouTube is the greatest creation of the modern era. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, is, that is the most aggressive statement. Oh that's man! You can keep your ship. penicillin. <laughs> you can
0: keep your anesthesia. Give me YouTube. Take- that's all the anesthesia I need. <laughs> that is so funny. But I will say this: like, okay, so here, I mean, just some for those of you who want a more philosophical training, right? There's this thing called the Thomistic Institute. Now, the Thomistic Institute... Oh, yeah. I have been watching their stuff, actually. They do not know how to record audio lectures appropriately, (laughs) and I will shame them. Dominican fathers, for the love of God, upgrade your sound equipment game. No, don't do it. Don't,
1: don't, don't form yourself, mold yourself to Gomer's idea of perfection <laughs> which is almost like a soft Gnosticism yeah. where, where you're hearing this voice out in the middle of nowhere Mike
0: the soft Gnostic Gormley and Dave the Dandy Van Vickle <laughs> Dave's just upset because every time we get on I have to give him a 10 minute lecture on how to use a microphone No, yes, near sorry. your mouth, not your nose Dave No, but <laughs> but the uh, uh, what is it called, the Thomistic um, the Fellows they just released on YouTube a series of videos, I think they have two a week or something like that, where they have five-minute, three-to-five-minute breakdowns. Uh, I think it's called Aquinas 101. And it just introduces you to these thought in in very good animations and a simple discussion with the elite people, like the guy that we went to school with, Father Gregory Pine. Yeah, um, yeah, I've been listening to his stuff. Oh, oh his it, stuff is great. so good. And Pints with Aquinas breaks this stuff down. Father yeah. uh, Matt Frad on the Matt Frad Show on YouTube interviewed Father... Um, Father Ryan, is it Ryan Miller, I think? Uh I loved it. I loved that interview. It was the last interview if you listen to this it's uh the first week in November. So it's the last interview that he did on the Matt Fradd show. And it'll it'll make you fall in love with the priesthood all over again. It's beautiful. Um, cool. But I will say this, right? The uh the experience of uh going back to specifically nat uh, the desire for happiness. Uh, exactly what he was talking about, is what led me to love moral theology. Uh, the Sources of Christian Ethics by Father Survey Pinkhares, if you don't have time to read a 400-page book, get his Morality the Catholic View, uh, much shorter version. Uh, this book puts what was for 1,500 years Christian morality as the desire for happiness, right? Puts that back at the center and I have found for so many people, the lo- the tr- our truest longing is an excellent way to introduce the gospel to people. Why? When I talk to married couples, I tell them all the time, your spouse is not sufficient to make you happy because they're a human person. Because not only right. are they fallen and weak and finite, but or, or because they're finite, your heart has an infinite longing that only an infinite God can fulfill. So if you demand your wife or your husband to complete you, you're asking of them, be thou God to me. And that's unrealistic, absolutely. And so you find people that have, they love their spouse, but they have trouble in marriage, right? Because of just two human beings conflicting. And then you realize like there is a deeper longing in your heart for true and lasting happiness that nothing in this world can satisfy. Therefore, there has to be something outside of this world that can truly satisfy it. And when you begin to see this, like I love the way he talks about natural ends, right? What is the natural end of the human heart? Well, ultimately, it's a supernatural end, which is union with God in heaven forever. And using the disquietness that the human heart, the restlessness of the human heart. Oh, I love you just said that. the, (laughs) The restlessness of the human heart is so much a key because we live in an age of abundance and burnout. We have everything. Kings could not control the temperature of their castles. We live in such a radical age of abundance and luxury, and yet we are deeply dissatisfied, right? And I think this idea of natural happiness, so I would encourage you people, research Aquinas on happiness, Augustine. Just go, actually, here's the best thing the Catechism of the Catholic Church, the third part, uh, Life in Christ, which is all about morality, starts with beatitude just read that section oh sounds like we're already getting into the five takeaways what do you think Dave <laughs>
1: <laughs> no I think that's great and I think I honestly Haas like I, I we need more of you guys like um you know I P, I think people think it's probably crazy but I've literally been in situations like Plato's Symposium where in a room everyone is presenting their ideas of what true love is you know and so that you think this is th- theoretical or, or hypothetical but no it's, it's not like I've in bars and things like that, I've been in these situations where everyone's giving their opinion. So being able to communicate uh, philosophically what we were made for, what we are, what we do, is it's an important part of being an evangelist in the 21st century. And 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 really, you know, the, the less almost it's it's almost like adults have had this beaten out of them. Like if you're if you're evangelizing kids and, and teenagers. It's almost more intense,
0: yeah. you know. I'd say so, and I will come end come with back, this. Oh, well, yeah. let, let me say one more thing uh, because I can't help but constantly talk. But just say something. <laughs> um, no, but the uh, the other thing is talking about natural ends and the desire for happiness leads us to the person of Christ. You got the great John Paul II quote: "It is Jesus you seek when you dream of happiness." Right? Go and Google that and reread that quote. But the un- the philosophical understanding of happiness ultimately is not enough. We need, and this is the perfect segue into the eight Beatitudes. This is a perfect, Beatitudes, the happies, right? The happinesses. Right, right, right. And when we say happiness, we don't mean a subjective state of feeling emotionally up or positive. What we mean is the union with the reason why I'm here. The fulfillment of all desire, right? And so my hope for you is that you can, Turn, to th- turn someone from natural happiness and the false realities. Bishop Barron always talks about this. Aquinas talks about this. Wealth, pleasure, power, and honor or fame or respect, those are counterfeits of happiness, but that's what the vast majority of us live for. And so right. natural philosophy and theology can help address why those are inadequate, but the answer is not just virtue. The answer is sharing in the virtues of Christ, because you've encountered the living God, right? So when we come back, we are gonna dive through five practical takeaways to make this um, lead you into the Kerygma of Jesus.
1: What if you could go back and experience the very first Advent and walk alongside Joseph and Mary as they prepare to welcome the baby Jesus? Rejoice! Advent Meditations with Joseph is an all-new Advent resource from Ascension. Experience that very first Advent journey through daily meditations in the Rejoice journal and through a series of short, easy-to-access videos. Make Advent come alive this year. Visit rejoiceprogram.com. Rejoiceprogram.com.
0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to the five practical takeaways on Every Knee Shall Bow. We're going to dive into this. Just a quick reminder, if you could stop what you're doing right now and on your app of choice, give us a rating or review that could help spread the word of Every Knee Shall Bow. Getting this podcast into more Catholic hands, whether you're lay people, priests, bishops, this is what we want. We want every Catholic living their primary apostolate right especially if you're lay people of bringing christ into the temple of order and sanctifying it making it holy so what we're going to do is five practical takeaways we're gonna we're gonna focus entirely on formation on this one entirely on formation on this one so uh number one read the catechism on beatitude and the beatitudes beatitude will give you an introduction to the natural theology of it and then the beatitudes will show you how jesus christ Places the question of happiness at the very center of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 12, but how it becomes the centerpiece of how Catholics have always understood this desire for happiness. Awesome. Number two, uh, you know, jump on YouTube,
1: which I hate to say because even though Gomer said it's the greatest thing ever, I think it's evil and from the devil for sure. In <laughs> fact, smash your computers and all screens in your house. But. Um, <laughs> But, but before, no, you, before do <laughs> you before you do that, I want you to go to, to listen to some word on fire stuff. Bishop Barron is doing such a service for the church right now, and and all the people who work him, Brandon Vaught and all these guys, they are taking this conversation to. Like the greatest levels and and just like really bringing it down to earth so that everyone can understand this stuff um, and then responding to the culture who responds to them in a very thoughtful and effective way. It's I mean, they're going to have a lot of a lot of people in heaven because of them. Uh, so take a look at word on fire, Bishop Barron, search one of those things and just start listening to the videos. Dig in. Uh, And you're going to learn a lot of philosophy without even knowing that you're learning philosophy.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to go right off of that and encourage you to watch the Aquinas 101 videos from the Thomistic Institute. These are the the province out in Washington, D.C. with the Dominican House of Studies at Catholic University. They are putting out so much good stuff, especially the philosophical pre-evangelization stuff. They go to secular colleges and put on these Thomistic studies um programs. They have podcasts with terrible audio quality, but I suffer through it. Uh, but if you're new to this Boo. stuff, the videos, Boo. the videos are really, really great um, to kind of focus on this stuff. Um, and I, I recommended last week something right here that I could go to the classical theism podcast by John DeRosa. It's really, really great. Awesome, uh, another
1: stalwart warrior for the culture who uh, can easily easily educate you on everything you need to know in philosophy is Doctor Peter Kraft. Okay, uh, Doctor Peter Kraft is you know he's he's the guy right? He's been he has been fighting the good fight for a long long time, and he is one of those people like there are people who are so intelligent you can hardly understand what they're saying. And then there are people who make them look like children, right? And Peter Kreeft is one of those people because he's so intelligent, but he can make you understand things that yeah. you would never be able to. Uh, he's awesome. So read anything of his, but dig into to Peter Kreeft. I mean, uh, a life spent in his thought is not a wasted life at all. Yeah. Uh,
0: I, w- I would recommend the three philosophies of life to tie it to this question of happiness. My wife loves that one. Yeah. That was, I mean, honestly, I had a conversion around that. And so did Jackie Francois. Yeah. Um, read, my last one is, uh, we're going back to reading, read Father Survey cares P-I-N-C-K-A-E-R-S. Father Survey cares has a beautiful t- two books, The Sources of Christian Ethics, which is more or less a textbook for colleges on Christian morality. Um, Dr. Hahn teaches from it. Uh, a lot of my professors at Franciscan taught from it. I love it. I think it is brilliant and beautiful and it centers everything from uh church history it goes through the fathers it goes through protestant um reformers and all this stuff but it centers it on virtue ethics and the question of happiness and how the natural law integrates into all that stuff so all the things that when you read catholic encyclicals they reference this makes you i mean this gives you a love of catholic morality that's why i love it so the sources of christian ethics or the more popular and shorter one which is still just as good i love it too uh, morality the catholic view all right this has been our five practical takeaways for every knee shall bow uh i am mean, love hanging out with this skype session with the dandy van vickle it's so <laughs> so beautiful to see all the frills on his pea coat <laughs> one day oh, one yeah. day one day you'll have right. a pea coat with frills on it uh reminder email us at eksb at ascensionpress.com and we would love to hear from you because we desperately need show ideas at the last minute so thank you Haas, for giving us this great show idea god bless <laughs> y'all god bless